Welcome to today's Bible study with Pastor Josh Tice. The next time you're in Las Vegas, we'd love to meet you in person at Southern Hills. If you happen to watch us regularly, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and consider sharing this video with a friend. You can support the ministries of Southern Hills by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab. Now, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn how the Bible is relevant in your life today. That is a, that is a welcome. I'm so glad to be here, man. I love this church so much. Uh, it's been a huge difference and an impact in my life. Uh, those of you that call this place home or this is your first time, like this is the place to get connected. Uh, I'm so blessed to know, so, uh, I was about to say storyline. We even named our church after, uh, you know, Southern Hills with an S storyline uh, because we love you. Um, I have a picture of my wife uh, because she's gorgeous, <laughs> right? Uh, she was singing on stage. <laughs> with us this morning um come on y'all she's she leads worship at storyline I, I have to like be in the front row and just like pray like i just need to not look at her for a little bit because she just looks so good you know what i mean um taste and see that the lord is good come on somebody <laughs> uh, we moved out to oakland just a quick update i just want to jump into the message um we moved out to Oakland in 2018, gave ourselves about a year on rent before starting the church. In 2019, uh, we launched Storyline in a movie theater in downtown Oakland and uh, with about 260 in attendance and uh, see some people come to know Jesus and baptize. And then six months into the launch, uh, we went online with the pandemic. And so we we're online for about a year, 14 months. And then we transitioned to back to in-person services. Did y'all hear about the pandemic? You didn't hear about it out here. Okay, <laughs> I'll try over this side. Um, it's a pandemic, it happened. Um, and so uh, we went online for about 14 months, came back to in-person services in May of 2021. And uh, uh, with the movie theater, there was a lot of uh, uncertainty. And so I wasn't gonna wait for clarity. I just you know, prayed and asked God, hey, you show me the new spot for us. And eventually he opened up a location for us in downtown Oakland. It's a great story. I have to come back someday and tell it because it's too long, but uh, we're in a, spot that we're leasing. It's our home. We make it our own, and God's blessed, and the church is growing. People are getting baptized, and so we're excited for what God's doing, uh, and that's on behalf of what you do uh, here at Southern Hills, and so I just want to say thank you, and on the behalf of the believers and brothers and sisters in Oakland, uh, y'all, we're up in here. Come on, somebody. Um, when I... Uh, arrived in Oakland, uh, met this guy at a cool eatery in downtown Oakland, and uh, this gentleman looked at me, and uh, we were you know, exchanging conversation over food, because that's what you do. Uh, you fear foodie, right? And so we were talking, and he gave me uh, um, uh, his phone number. I gave him my phone number. He saw the 702 on there, and uh, I'm not changing that, okay? Um, <clears throat> 702, and he said, oh, where are you from? I said, I'm from Vegas. And he said, Vegas? And I said, yeah, Vegas. He said, we're about you out here. I said, I came to start a church. He said, a church? He said, why'd you leave? They need it. <laughs> and I said, um, that's what they say about YouTube. So um, we're here. We're here. 
And um, hey, I'm going to jump into the text. We're in Acts chapter 9, uh, verses 36 through 42. Uh, let me just sh- share this before we jump in. This is going to go a lot better if you shout at me, right? If you, if you talk me down, right? Look, I preach better when you shout at me and you stand up, you clap. I know we're not at storyline, but come on, just for today, right? Let, let's, let's, that's what I'm talking about. We got the trend going back there. So it's going to, I'll preach shorter. If you shout me down, I'm not preaching that storyline for the next couple weeks. So today, uh, my word count might be a little high, but it's all good, right? Um, So Acts chapter 9, I say this before I jump in. I tell you that story about, you know, this gentleman. Listen, uh, when it comes to church planting, uh, we're all in already. Like, if this is your first time... Uh, we're already, already receiving the emails. Like we're all, we've subscribed, we're getting the podcast. Like we're all about church planning here. And so if this is your first time or you're new here, we just want to encourage you to get a part of the team and be a part of church planning. We already signed on. Come on, somebody, right? We're already, I'm here. Hello, I'm here. We're already planting churches. And so I just want to give us uh, the next step of how to hold what's in our hand uh, when it comes to church planting. And so uh, Acts chapter nine, verse number 36 and then we'll jump in. Ready? If you're ready, say ready. All right, verse 36 says, And now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. Somebody say Dorcas. It's actually a compliment, believe it or not. It means uh, gazelle, lightfoot, right? It's like when I look at my wife and I call her Kit Kat, right? It's a, it's a, it's a term of endearment. And uh, she was full of good works and acts of charity. Someone say good works. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, it's another disciple of Jesus, hearing what Peter that was there sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing, what does that word say? tunics and other garments. Look at your neighbor and say tunics and garments, tunics and garments. That Dorcas made while she was with them. Uh, But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body of Tabitha Dorcas, he said, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and widows, he presented to her alive. And it became known all throughout Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with Simon a tanner. Title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, it's called The Holding Pattern. The Holding Pattern. Uh, if, if that one doesn't jive with you, uh, here's my second title. Say yes to the dress. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Say yes to the dress. Uh, Can we pray? God, would you speak something fresh, something special in our hearts this morning? Um, And as a result of the worship and song and testimonies and video and scripture and the word, uh, would we, as a result of what takes place this morning, like Tabitha, would you take us by the hand? Would we rise up and would we make a lasting impact in our city, uh, on the West Coast, and in the world? And we're so grateful for this church and what it means 
to the kingdom of God. I pray that you would now speak something special, something fresh in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, travel come with its fair share of unexpected surprises, right? You don't get to hop on a metal tube and attach the rockets and travel across the country without things occasionally going sideways, right? Um, I think we live in an era, what we deemed uh, uh, normal is what used to be impossible, right? Uh, prior to 117 years ago, uh, there wasn't something called like the airplane, right? Uh, thanks, Kitty Hawk. Shout out North Carolina, right? Um, uh, this wasn't something that was normal, right, before 1903. Uh, and so uh, we've grown up in this era with our lives of what was normal, but what never existed for la the vast majority of human history. And so um, never did anybody think about flying from Las Vegas all the way to East Oakland. You know what I mean? Is anybody thinking that today? I'm not sure. Um, you should be thinking about it. After this message, that's my goal, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, hopping on an airplane, just, that just didn't exist back then, right? And so, you know, with the Lewis and Clark expedition and these guys that were set out from Jefferson and this band of people, the Discovery Corps, if you will, and they're, you know, tracking from up the Missouri to get to Oregon and they're carrying furs back and forth for the trade. And so these guys with these, these group of people, uh, uh, you know, the... the, the the track was straightforward, right, going up to Missouri until you get to, you know, Montana. And when you get up to Montana, it's, it's all zigzag. It's, it's, it goes sideways, right? And so um, we today look at that and say, man, it's impossible, right? Back then, that was hard to do, <laughs> to travel, right? And for what took them years and years and years and a lot of time to do, we look at today and we take it for granted and, and, and we say, oh, man, but the, but the flight was delayed and the internet was so slow. <laughs> of course, things are going to go sideways, right? And so a few years ago, I was in uh, my, best friend's, my best friend's wedding at the time, uh, and uh, his name is Ryan. We're flying out to, to this wedding. I was the best man. No big deal. And um, <clears throat> we got to Salisbury, North Carolina. Uh, it's already a funny story, right? Salisbury, North Carolina. And so we, I'm there, and I call for an Uber. And what pulls up is an F-150 with a gun rack. It's an Uber. <laughs> And I'm like, do I need to text a friend? Do I need to send my location to Jamie, right? And so I get in the car, and it's it trucking smells like vomit, right? And uh, I, I say, how's your day going? And he's like, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm like, yeah? And he's decked out from, you know, head to toe in camo. And uh, he's like, uh, I'm, I'm thinking, he's, I'm, I, I get ready to ask him. I said, you're tired. I was like, you know, what'd you, what'd you do? I mean, it was a long day. And I'm thinking he's getting ready to say, like, I don't know, I'm up all night raccoon hunting. <laughs> I fought an alligator. I don't know. <laughs> he said, uh, I just got back from London. I said, London? I was not expecting this. <laughs> Doug Dynasty. I just got back from London. And uh, he said, yeah. I said, I said, long flight? He said, yeah, but they had beer on the plane. So I drank till I fell asleep. And shoot, when I woke up, we were there. <laughs> Fantastic. Good for you. You know, but one of the worst things when it comes to traveling on an airplane, and I can, I, I can, I can feel it before I even hear it, right? It's called the holding pattern. 
Because what happens is after five hours on this plane, I'm finally starting to fall asleep, you know, and uh, I, I can feel it before I even hear the, you know, he comes, the captain comes on the intercom and he's like, and I can, I can, I can feel it before I even hear it. And it's, what, what did, you know, uh, Spider-Man, what does Aunt, Aunt May call it? It's Peter Tingles. Peter Tingles. All right. It's not, Spidey sense is Aunt May, you're embarrassing me, right? And I can almost feel it, right? This holding pattern for four minutes, right? One minute in a straight, two minutes in 280 degree angle, and then another minute in a straight. And do you, do you hear it? Do you feel it? It's the holding pattern. And sure enough, you look out the window, right? And sure enough, you're there, but you can't get there, right? That's a holding pattern. A holding pattern is when you're at your destination, but you just can't get to where you desperately need to be. I can see it out the window, right? How many of you know, you, you understand, there are some things in your life, you can see it out the window, right? You're there, but you can't get there. I just don't know how to get there, right? I've come all this way. It's just that last 10%. I just can't seem to land the plane into the kind of mother I want to be, right? into the kind of father I want to be, right? into that uh, mature Jesus follower that I know God wants me to be. It's that last 10%. I just can't seem to, to land the plane into, I, I know what God's called me to. I know what he's calling me to step into and everything he's put in my life and he's put in my heart. It's right there. I just can't seem to land the plane and I feel stuck in a holding pattern. A holding pattern is full of delays, disappointments, and what do we fear? We fear misconnections, right? That's what we equate a holding pattern with, with misconnections. And in my head, I'm doing the math of how long it's going to take me to get from my, my gate to the other side of the airport, right? And, 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 and am I going to miss my connection? And I'm afraid I'm not going to get to where I desperately need to be because of the holding pattern. And it's not that the mood that we find in Acts chapter 9. Jesus is resurrected from the grave, and he's given us this great commission to plant churches, to make disciples, to teach, and to baptize. And one of his disciples, Tabitha Dorcas, uh, uh, became a Jesus follower, and she's making a difference. And the Bible says that she's, with her difference, charitable deeds and acts of good service, right? Tabitha, and she's the one to die. And now the disciples that are gathered around her have sent uh, a Peter to come to the upper room, and they're maybe praying and hoping for a miracle. And Peter shows up, and I don't know, maybe he's going to do something. And then they're just hoping for something. And so they're stuck waiting in this holding pattern. Holding pattern. Because things go sideways. And like Tabitha, can I tell you today, that like Tabitha, all of us in some way are in a holding pattern when it comes to, hey, God's called us to do this thing, to plant more churches and to do good works and charitable deeds. And, and God has put inside of us, every Christian in the room online is full of good works and charitable deeds. In fact, it's been told every Christian is full of good works and charitable deeds. God has planned for it to be so. What does Ephesians tell us? For we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, his poem, his canvas, right? His art created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has, what, prepared beforehand that we should, come on, walk in them, right? So 
uh, imagine this, right? God, and before you were even thought of, before you were even a form, right? In his factory, planning you before the foundation of the world. And he was cramming your, your, your destiny full of good works and charitable deeds, right? All shapes and varieties and, 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 and colors and kinds. And he crammed you full of good works. And he's been dreaming about this ever before you've been born. So let me ask you this question. Why is it if every Christian has been crammed full in their destiny of good works, why is it that not every Christian is living a beautiful life and changing the world like Dorcas did? Because so many of us stop there. But Dorcas did not. She was not just full of good works and charitable deeds, but the text says, what does it say? I'm forgetting. But she was full of these things to which she did. You see, if we don't do the things that we're full of, you end up full of it. A lot of Christians are just full of it. Come on, shove your neighbor. Ask him, are you full of it? Are you full of it? Now the rest of you, right? (laughs) You see, the problem with spiritual constipation is that if you're just taken and you're consuming and you get bloated and fat and you're just, you're just consuming everything. But listen, there comes a time for us to not just be, have the strength for willing, but have the strength for doing. We've got to do the things that we plan to do. Right? So God doesn't just give us the strength for willing, but for also for doing. We must not stop at good intentions. Willing is not good enough. You, see, you can say I'm willing and able in, if, in the event of a, a water evacuation, right? But, but, but if, if you're not, someone's got to pull the lever. Someone's got to extend the slide. Someone's got to open the door. Someone's got to be there. We got to do the things that we're full of. Someone's got to extend that slide. Someone's got to hold the door. Someone's got to give. Someone's got to serve. Someone's got to be a part of extending the slide to see the gospel spread. Right, we've got to do the things that we're full of. So let me ask you a question. How long are you going to start about that business? How long are you going to wait to start up that clothing company? Right? How, how long are you going to wait? Right? Uh, how long are you going to talk about, one day I'm going to start serving. One day I'm going to start giving. Right? One day I'm going to start tithing. One day, right, I'm not going to be here next week so I can say it. Right? One day I'm going to start. One day, one day. Right? Do the things that one day I'm going to get baptized, one day I'm going to follow Jesus. Come on, don't be full of it. you got to do the thing that God's planned for you to do. Now, you say to me, thanks for asking, you say to me, well, how do you do it? Asking for a friend, right? How do you do what you're full of? And the answer to the question, it's in your hand. The answer to doing what's in your heart is in your hand. It's in the text. Did you not see it? Tabitha, sewing these tunics and garments for saints and widows. Right, Tabitha, she didn't have to look any further than what was in her hand to do what God wanted to do what was in her heart. Right? She, 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 our sister, seamstress, right? around her neck was a measuring tape, and in her hand was a needle, and in her lap was a, a, a sewing equipment, right? Because she had to look no further than what was in her hand for God to unlock what was in her heart. She was a seamstress. Our sister had a passion for fashion.
for that is God's desire. A pattern for how to hold. And I see in her hand is a holding pattern. Because when you go to Joanne Fabrics, come on somebody, and Hobby Lobby, and uh, Michael's Arts and Crafts, we don't have any of these in Oakland. Um, <laughs> when you go to these places, what do you do? You get a, a pattern. What do you do with the pattern? You lay it over a fabric to what you're going to cut out for the shape of what you want it to be. And so in uh, her hand is a holding pattern. It's a pattern for how to hold what's in your hand for God to unlock what's in your heart. For that is God's intention. But the disconnect for so many of us is that we look at what's in our hand and we see no connection to what's in our heart, so we do nothing. Right? Think about the disciples and a crowd of 5,000 people. Right? Jesus says, hey, we got to feed all these people. And the disciples uh, try, try to look for the resources and means to do so, right? And they find a board with five loaves, two fishes. And what do they say? Oh, this can't do that. So they do nothing. Right? Think about Moses' call on his life. And Moses, what's in, what's in your heart, Moses? Freedom of God's people from the Egyptians. What's in your hand, Moses? A staff. Listen, you give God what's in your hand, he will unlock what's in your heart. Come on, you give God your five loaves and two fishes, and he'll feed the crowd. Nehemiah, Nehemiah, what's in your heart, Nehemiah? Oh, uh, uh, to rebuild in the walls of Jerusalem. What's in your hand? A cup. Nehemiah, use what's in your hand, Nehemiah. Don't miss the connection to what's in your hand, to what's in your heart. God wants to unlock it. He can make all things abound exceedingly above what you can even ask or think. It's a holding pattern. A pattern for how to hold what's in our heart to unlock what's in our heart. That is the gospel to go forward. Churches to be planted, disciples to be made, people to be baptized. That's in our hearts. So then let me give you three things of how to hold the pattern to unlock what's in our heart. Because tunics and garments that she had was just a representation of what was God going to use in her life to reach an entire community. And what that representation was, was three things. It was her tunics and garments. It represented these three things. Her identity, her income, and her influence. Quickly, number one, her identity. It says that now there was in Joppa a disciple. Someone say disciple. Named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. And she was full of these things. What? Good works and acts of charity. You see... Tabitha was a disciple of Jesus. She had subscribed, right? She was getting the emails, and she had started following Jesus. And as a result of this, her life and her relationships were modeled after this, right? After she subscribed, she got involved in community. That's why we see uh, later on in the back end of the story, people gathered around her at her death, at her funeral, right? She was in a community with other believers, but then she also looked at what, her, what was in her hand, and she says, what if? What if I could use this to do what God wants to do in my heart? And this is what shaped her identity. She was first a, a disciple, 
You know what a disciple is? Jesus modeled it for us. A disciple is one who knows God. He knew him pretty well. And then he was in community, a disciple in community with other disciples, other Jesus followers. And as they're in community, they let their faith inform their purpose, right? And in community, they take that faith and they live it out. They live, what is it called? A sent life. They live on mission. That's what a disciple is. And Jesus modeled this for us, and he had given it to us, this pattern for us to follow, and Dorcas did just that. Listen, you know what you're following, what God's called you to do as a disciple? The same thing. He calls you to know God. He's called you to be a disciple in relationships with other Christians. And he's called you to let your, form, your, your faith inform your purpose and to go out into the community and to live a life sent out, to live a life on mission. That is your identity. That's my identity as Jesus followers. It's bigger than just us. Following Jesus transforms everything about you. You're not just a plumber. <laughs> you're, you're not just a Christian in the pew. You're, you're not just a, a, a homemaker. Come on, you're raising world changers. You're not just a, 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 a tech guy in, in Google, right? You, you're bigger than that. You're not just working on the strip. You're not just an AMR. You're, you're bigger than that. It's bigger than what you can possibly think, and God wants to use it to make a lasting impact. And so you have to let your faith inform your identity. I am a disciple of Jesus. So you know what that means sometimes? That if you get a job offer to relocate, yes, you should consider the resources that's going to take to provide for your family because your number one ministry is your family, not what God's called you to do. Amen? So you should consider the, the, uh, that portion of it but you should also consider the, the big important question, which is, can God use me here in a bigger light than I am here? And you let that inform your faith. You let that inform your move. You let that inform your steps. You let that shape who you are. You let that become the pattern that you hold that informs your identity as a Jesus follower. It's bigger than that. It was her identity, but also, listen, it was a representation of her income. She used these tunics and garments, yes, to be generous into the community and to uh, fashion these clothes for widows and for saints. But it also was a part of, listen, it was a part of her craft. So her sewing was also a means for her living. But listen, don't make the mistake into thinking. Uh, there's um, a funeral that happened um, few months back in Oakland of a gentleman's wealthy, well-known, and uh, very well-known in, 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 our, in our city, in our, in our community, by those that are natives, but also newing into the, newer to the Bay Area. And uh, this, this guy, it was about 300 people that showed up to his, to his, his funeral, which is a pretty, pretty big number. Um, and uh, I can mention before, he's well-known, he has plenty of money. And I don't know why those people showed up. I'm assuming a part of it was, you know, who this guy was. And so it's easy to look at her story, Tabitha, and think and assume maybe these people arrived because of her income. 
we can't make the mistake in assuming why they gathered was only because of what she made, because of what she received. She, she made a difference in her identity, but she also made a difference with her income. Listen, she gave more than she had. Because significance is not measured by how much we can keep, how much we can hold, but rather how much you give away. That's significance. That's what it means to have meaning. By letting your resources and your money be a means to an end. That's what meaning actually means. And so uh, the scripture tells us that Peter arose and went. And when he arrived, they took, uh, he went to the upper room and all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other garments Dorcas that had made while she was with them. And so this woman, she used her income. I see three things. One, she gave what she could. She gave what she could. I've been following uh, uh, Southern Hills and Pastor Josh and the leadership here and seeing what God's doing in uh, the city, but also, you know, on campus with uh, the Green Valley uh, startup and then also uh, the building plane that's getting ready. How many of you are aware? If, you, if you're not, know, you now you're in the know, right? So it's, it's been awesome to see all the updates and what the plans are and what God's speaking into the vision and the leadership here. And it's been encouraged to kind of look over the fence and see what God's doing. And so I've been seeing all this, and um, I want to say this to you. Listen, she gave what she could. The greatest mistake that you and I can make in this Rise Up Next Step campaign is giving based upon what everybody else can give. The greatest mistake that you can make is looking to, to shoulder to shoulder, looking across from you and saying, man, look at what they gave. I can't give what they gave. That's the greatest mistake you can make. Because God doesn't call you to give what you can't, but he calls every single one of us to give what we can. Right? And so she gave what she could. Uh, you, you wouldn't say to me, right? You wouldn't say to me, I, I would take my wife out on a date, but I don't have enough money. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Right? You wouldn't say that, right? Listen, you could make your wife feel like a princess at Costco. Getting the samples, girl. Anything you want. I'll 12, I'll 14, I'll 19, and then you can work your way up to a hot dog and a 20-ounce combo. It's, it's a heart issue, right? There's a lot of people who can afford flamey on wrapped in bacon and treat their wives like a dog. It's a heart issue, right? And so generosity, like romance, works on any level. You just got to start slow. You just got to start where you're at. You just got to jump in and trust God and let him bless you. But he gives what you can. Give what you can. But also, I see not just give, she gave what she could, but she also gave while she could. See, we think one day when I have a million dollars, when my business grow, right, when I get this amount of education, Right? When I grow in my maturity in following Jesus, right? when I save, when I pay off the debt, when I'm confident enough, then I will. But notice, Tabitha didn't, or God didn't ask Tabitha to give him something she didn't already have. But he asked her to give what she already had. He asked her, just simply look down and give me what you got. 
What was in her hand was what she needed to accomplish what was in her heart. You see, uh, I need my glasses to see from a distance. If I can take them off, I can see nothing that's going on behind here. And so much times in our faith, the, the same could be applied. Right? For you to be able to see off into the distance, it's blurry. And so it's important that we just give while we can. We participate while we can. We serve while we can. We don't wait for the future. We don't wait for the distance because the future is blurry. What does James, the brother of Jesus, tells us? He says, come now, you say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such city and spread and spend a year and do business and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For it is a vapor that appears for a little while. And what happens? It, it's gone. It's snuffed out. It vanishes away. You see, we need to give not just while we, what, what, what we have, but we also need to give while we can. Because tomorrow is not promised. Listen, uh, 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 Oakland is not promised, right? We don't know what's uh, happening tomorrow. We don't know what's happening in our city tomorrow, right? We got to participate now. We got to get invested now. We got to get all in now. We got to put all the chips on the table. Our yes needs to be on the table today, not tomorrow. We got to invest now. We got to plant churches now. We got to build a community now. We got to share the gospel with our friends now. After the service, um, I had a friend who I haven't seen in a long time came up to me. His name is Emmanuel. Uh, and uh, it's cool because in our community, we have a, uh, in, in Oakland, uh, Eritrean community from Ethiopia. And uh, uh, Emmanuel's last name is, is Gebermeskel. And so a couple months ago, a young lady walked into our church, and her last name was Gebermeskel, also from you know, uh, Ethiopia. And so I kind of made the connection. I, I laughed. I was like, oh, you would love this guy. And you got to meet him someday. And um, I got to see him today. And I mentioned this because I remember when he first started coming to this church. And uh, Pastor Josh preached a message. And that message that he preached, he shared in that message about a dot. Right? A lot of us live our lives for the dot for simply just the nine to five, simply just to chase the dream, to simply just to fulfill the next thing. We live our lives for a dot, and then pastor drew a line from that dot and saying, we need to live our lives for eternity because our life is but a vapor. It's here and then gone tomorrow, but eternity lives on. And I talked to um, Emmanuel today, and he said to me, man, this message that you preached was for me. And he said, here's why, because I've been sitting on something that God's put in my hand. And he said, in fact, it's a business that I've been wanting to start. I've got the website. I've got it all started. I've got, I'm ready to roll it out tomorrow if I, could, if I wanted to, but I've been sitting on it. And I want to come to you this morning and say, what are you sitting on? What's in your hand that you have been sitting on that God is ready for you to move? He's ready for you to launch it. He's ready for you to start it. Because listen, he wants to use the very thing that's in your hand to unlock what's in your heart. She gave while she could but she also received more than she gave. How so? I'm glad you asked. Well, in fact, uh, her influence. Did you see it? Tabitha was loved 
and appreciated by all the women, the saints that were of less fortune in the city of Joppa, but also loved by the widows. Uh, primarily because, could you imagine living in, you know, the first century church in Joppa? Walking around downtown Joppa. Oh, that's a cool coffee shop, right? And imagine them going to like a, a black tie event, a gala, and just standing outside and, you know, a widow and not having back then, you know, the house is heavily dependent on the, the, the male to provide. And could you imagine, right, these widows and, and, and least fortunate saints Right, walking around the city and not having the same attire, not having their, 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 their shirt, their coat of many colors, right? Not, not, not walking around and, and feeling this sense of dignity. Could you imagine uh, them and what they felt up until they stopped at Dorcas's house? Listen, even a Dorcas can make a difference, right? Right? I need to, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I need my wife to go with me everywhere because she's my filter. I, I need a travel-sized version, like, just with me so she can filter everything. Oh, I get it. I know what I'll do. I'll have a, a bobblehead right here. And I'll just, WWJD, what would Jamie do, right? <laughs> Back to my, my point. Could you imagine what they felt walking around Joppa? But as soon as they left the house of Dorcas, right, and Dorcas sewing this complicated project, this pattern, this, 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 this attire, this robe, this dress for them, and, and giving them this, this dress as they walked through the city, walked down, downtown Joppa, and the dignity that was restored upon their life, right? That influence that she must have made in their life. That's why the scripture says, Tabitha, uh, when Peter went to the upper house, and Tabitha was there, there was people gathered to celebrate her life, to celebrate her influence, to celebrate everything that she had done for them. And the scripture says that they were there weeping, crying. And that's, by the way, why Peter showed up, because he's heard of the name Tabitha. He shows up, he says, I'm going to show up for that game changer. I'm going to show up for that rock star. I'm going to show up for that world-changing Jesus follower because she's made a significant difference and impact in the life of many people, and so he does. And he says, Tabitha, arise. And the Bible says that she rose and her eyes opened. And he presents her to the widows and how much joy they must have helped I felt to see Tabitha standing there in front of them because of the influence. But I see three things quickly in Tabitha's life that brought about this influence. You see, because uh, yes, she has significant influence by looking at her gift, what was in her hand, and then using it, but it wasn't until she was buried that that gift became multiplied. And I see, number one, the resurrection. Right? Her influence grew and matured and it blossomed. Right? It, was, it was hot, right? The 212 degrees. Like Her life was making such an impact in the community and her influence because of the resurrection, it grew, which put her, by the way, in good company with Lazarus and, oh yeah, by the way, Jesus, 
that's good company. And so her fame grew, but not only did her fame grow, because the scripture says it became known all throughout Joppa. Is that what it says? But not only did her fame grow, I see another R, I see revival. I see many people believe in the Lord because of her resurrection. Because of her resurrection, because of her influence, right? I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Like, like Mark Twain said, right? How will you live your life so that even when you die, even the undertaker is sorry? When she was resurrected, yeah, her fame grew, but it was not just for her fame to grow. Come on, it was to make the name of Jesus known. And revival took place so that the scripture says that many believed in the Lord. But not just this resurrection and revival, but I see it lastly, a third R, I see a relocation. And don't miss this. Because God, as it seems, courtesy of Acts chapter 9, verse 43, was doing something much bigger than any one of us saw and knew by bringing Peter to Joppa. What does it say in verse 43? And he stayed, he, Peter, in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. See, Joppa should sound familiar to some of us that grew up in church, right? Joppa, do you remember Joppa? Come on, Joppa was where Jonah said no. Joppa was where Jonah said no to reach the Gentiles. You see, God's intentions was for the gospel to never to meant to stay local, never to meant to just stay Jewish, never to just meant to stay regional. It was to go beyond and farther to reach the Gentiles, to go spread all across. But how did God use a woman pulling needle and thread to make a lasting difference? It was in her saying yes to the dress. She undid what Jonah did. She undid what Jonah had done. So uh, it's, it's important for us, listen, for us to say yes to the dress. Because uh, if you don't, you'll, like Jonah, end up in a different kind of holding pattern, right? Stuck at SeaWorld. Come on, somebody, right? In her saying yes, she, she unwittingly played a part, played a role, played a plan in getting Peter to Joppa. You keep saying Joppa. Why is, that, why is that important? You see, Joppa, oh, oh, Joppa is where Peter was. Oh, you don't know about Acts chapter 10? Acts chapter 10, where it says uh, the angel told him, Cornelius, who was the commander in the Roman army, he was praying and he had a vision from the Lord. It says in Acts chapter 10, verse number five, your prayers, Cornelius, your acts of charity has ascended as a memorial, as a gift, as an offering before God. Now send men, what does it say, to Joppa and call for Simon, who's also named Peter. You see, it was all about getting Peter to Joppa. 
It was all about getting Peter to Joppa to undo what Jonah had done. You see, we're afraid so many times of missing uh, uh, the connections. We're so afraid of the holding pattern, of missing connections. But I came from Oakland today to tell you it's not about missed connections. It's about making connections. It's about God connecting the gospel bigger to your job, bigger than your job, bigger than your community, bigger than your home. It was to spread all across so that the Gentiles and all those would experience life in Jesus. Right? This resurrection and revival was meant all for the relocation, to get Peter to Joppa so that Cornelius would get the gospel to the Gentiles. And you see, what everyone else in that upper room saw as death, what everyone else saw as death, as a grave, as a burial, come on. What they saw was just a glimpse of God, what God wanted to do. What they saw was what God wanted to do, which was a resurrection, which was a revival, which was a re relocation. It was a grave that would become a garden of people rising up as Jesus followers, churches being planted all over the country, all over the world. It was bigger than just Joppa. It was beyond So can I encourage you this morning? That's what's been started in Oakland. There's more to come. What's been started in Green Valley, there's more to come. What's been started here, there's more to come. Because God's intentions is always bigger, and he wants to use what's in your hand to unlock what's in your heart. Can I pray for you? Jesus, we're so grateful for the story that we uh, has been modeled, yes, for you, from you, but also in Dorcas's life. God, we're so grateful. I pray for my brothers and sisters that are here this morning that, God, we would no longer put off what you've put in us, but that we would look what's in our hand and we would make a lasting difference with our identity, with our income and with our influence. And I pray that you speak this so fresh and so special that today would be a direct application to our Monday. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching Josh Tice's most recent Bible sermon. If you think of someone who may enjoy this one, go ahead and send it or post it today. If you're ever in Las Vegas on Sunday, we'd love for you to stop by Southern Hills and see us in person. If you benefit from this virtual ministry, we'd also like to encourage you to support our gospel efforts by sending a donation to the ministries of Southern Hills. You can do so by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab.